Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. And if you're watching, you can clearly tell that there's no uh, fucking video. Let us explain why. We are currently in the process of moving locations of our main Movie Nights studios, a.k.a. Uh, I'm changing apartments. <laughs> so um, just give us a few weeks before we'll be fully up and running with the video again. And um, it's also why we've been really not putting out a lot of content because we've had a lot of different stuff going on. And just really trying to get our shit together and get it all, you know, ready to go. But for now, we're going to go back to audio because we still want to put out some shows for all seven of you. Ryan, how you been, bud? Just dandy like candy, my friend. How are you? Never heard that phrase, but I like it. So thank you for that. Um, today, we only have two stories that we want to get into. But, but of course, we before we do any of that, I mean, we got we to gotta get into the box office, Ryan. That's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> I, 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 I really can't do weird shit anymore because like I'm not yeah. on camera, but like yeah, yeah. But I'm, I, I'm still doing it. Just know that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate it. Um, coming in at number one last weekend was Hobbs and Shaw in its second week, dropping 57%. That's pretty average. Racked in another 25.4 million dollars. Coming in at number two in its first weekend was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, making 20.8 million dollars. Uh, no budgets listed, but I don't think it was that high little horror movie. Coming in third was The Lion King, um, making another $20 million. It's already crossed a billion. Disney's had a lot of billion-dollar hits this year. Coming in at fourth was Dora and the Lost City of Gold, making $17 million. Again, I should point out, though, these are all estimates. The finals don't come in until later today. So it'll be around this. Um, coming in fifth was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, sticking around in the top five, racking in another $11.6 million. So did you know the movie had a $90 million budget? Probably because of all the salaries. I'm curious to know what his other movies were made for, because I feel like that's high, but for him, I don't know if that's high. Well, I know Reservoir Dogs was cheap, and, Pulp, like a million dollars, yeah, and, yeah. and Pulp Fiction was cheap, too, I think. Yeah. But, but yeah. Like his more modern movies, like Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Um, but yes, uh, that's the top five here at the box office. Um, something that I do want to point out, where is Toy Story 4? Toy Story 4 came in number nine but i know that that's close to a billion i want to see how close it is because it, it toy story 4 has not opened in every market yet while you're doing that Ooh. i'm actually gonna look up the other movies like inglorious bastards okay. hatefully what they were made for yeah I'm, I'm I, I, yeah i'd go backwards i'd do hateful eight first yeah toy story 4 is at 990 million dollars worldwide wow and uh, it's definitely going to cross a billion and then disney's just going to own the world at this point do you know they've already broken their record. In 2016, they broke the all-time box office record for one studio. Mm-hmm. We're eight months into 2019, and they've already broken it. Yeah, and, it's insane. Yeah, and Star Wars, Frozen, and many other Disney movies still haven't come out yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a hell of a year for them. A hell of a year for Disney. But yeah, um, while you're looking that up, I'm still going to ask you some questions because yeah. that's the person I am. Yeah, but uh, do you have any surprises or anything that you're happy to see on the uh, box office list? You know me, I'm happy to see uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie make some money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not surprised by the other ones, though. Um, Actually, no, I am. I'm surprised Scary Stories did not top Hobbs and Shaw because it's Hobbs and Shaw's second week, and it's a new horror movie that is getting great reviews, and its opening weekend came in at number two. Honestly, kind of surprised by that. I have a theory. I think it's because Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark is a mostly... It was a children's book. Now, granted, it was a very very like should not have been a children's book but it was it was aimed at kids yeah. and i think people who knew that property 
saw the movie. Some people were nostalgic and were like, I'm going to go watch that movie. And some people, it was like, oh, this is a kid's horror movie, like Goosebumps. Like, I think some people thought it was going to be more akin to that. And I haven't seen the film personally, but I do work at a movie theater. And I've had several parents leave with kids saying that the movie's too scary for the kids. Oh, wow. Yes. And uh, that is really exciting. So I cannot wait to see scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that might be one of the reasons why it didn't make as much. I mean, I went ahead and looked at Once Upon a Time's worldwide number as of the moment. It's at 108, so it, oh, ju- right. it just reached its production budget. So it's going to need to make a little bit more to break even. But I think yeah. I think it will. I'm not worried about that. Um, and in its 17 day total, it's made more than Inglorious Bastards. I'm just looking at the charts. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But gonna go ahead and head over to you. Um, what was the budget of Hateful Eight compared to its box office intake? So Hateful Eight was made for 44 million dollars. Mm-hmm. And it made $155 million. That That's pretty good. Now, just going back to movies, because I totally mm-hmm. forgot Django came out mm-hmm. in between Hateful Eight and Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Django is made for $100 million, mm-hmm. so just $10 million more. Yeah. And it made $425 million. Nice, nice. That's so, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good numbers. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so I think in no time we'll see that Toy Story 4 crossed yeah. a billion, when that means that for Disney Endgame... Uh, Captain Marvel, Aladdin. I feel like there's one more Disney one that came out. Lion King. Lion King, and then Toy Story Four. Did, did Lion King cross? It did. Okay. And then Toy Story Four. So that would be five. And then the only other company that has a billion dollar movie so far this year is Sony, and it was produced by Marvel, who's owned by Disney. So technically, you can say you can give <laughs> you can give some Disney some of that credit, but te- it is a Sony film. Yeah. Um. But that that's insane. That's insane. And Endgame was $2 billion movie. So that's that's just crazy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, some interesting box office stuff going on. And we're going to go ahead and go into the two stories that we had planned. Do you want to... Comic wanna... book movie fatigue. Yeah, comic book movie fatigue, guys. People are going to get tired of it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know, they've been saying that since like Iron Man 2. Really? Yeah. Shit. It's because one movie will fail. And then it's like, aha, see, one failed. It's like, yeah, but there were nine others that were successful. Like, um... There was like two articles that ran when Hellboy and Dark Phoenix came out, and it's like, guys, that's two of many more that and were successful. Not even like the main Marvel DC movies, yeah. they're just like Dark Horse comics. So yeah. it's like, and even Shazam didn't make as much money as it should have made, but it wasn't a flop either. No, it made its money back. It probably broke even, maybe made a little bit of a profit. But it should have made more money. But that's the only surprising one. That was the only... And I, and I think it's the same thing of, like, the marketing was marketed towards children and the superhero audience, like, the modern superhero audience has grown to be people of, like, our generation, like, early, like mid-20s, early 20s. Yeah. But, yeah. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and go first with my story. Yeah. Um, my story, like, I fucking wrote it. No, this, this comes from Variety. And, uh, you know, we've been following the um, whole... Fox being bought by Disney story ever since the word first broke out a few months ago or about a year ago even. And uh, something crazy just happened over at Disney and Fox. Originally, Disney, when they announced like over at CinemaCon and just in all their press, they've said that they want to keep Fox as its own studio and just utilize some of its properties and mixed with other their properties, but they want to keep Fox as its own thing. They did take out some of Fox, but they were going to keep Fox Searchlight, you know, all this stuff. And while they are still going to keep Fox Searchlight, and they're going to have some Fox properties moving forward, there are big changes going over there. Because in the Variety article, Fox under Disney 
posted a $170 million loss, and Bob Iger was not fucking happy about that. They've canceled what's rumored to be, this isn't in the article, but it's rumored over 300 projects. My God. Yeah. Like, apparently they've canceled many, many Fox projects, only keeping a few, and the only ones that they have currently in development right now that they're keeping are Disney Plus reboots of Home Alone, Night at the Museum, Cheaper by the Dozen, and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Now, people freaked out saying they're going to remake Home Alone. They never said remake. They're going to reboot Home Alone. That can mean that they'll remake it, but I have a feeling that we're going to see Macaulay Culkin in some sense. I feel like that they're trying to reach into that nostalgia of like a movie of him being older. But we'll see. I don't know for sure. All I'll say is uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, your boy's got a chance now. Oh, my God. Tell them that quick story. So, quick story. I auditioned for uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid whenever the first one came out and uh, didn't get it, but it's a fun little story and I have a video hidden somewhere only to show the closest of friends, so you guys will never see it. Oh, we'll leak it one day. Uh, um, But also what's funny is Disney also kind of blamed Dark Phoenix for this. (laughs) They said that um, one of the biggest issues with the Fox Studio performance, which was well below where it had where it had been well below where we'd hoped it would be when we made the acquisition, said Bob Iger. And the article talks about how Disney pinned the performance on Dark Phoenix, a flop that represented the latest chapter in the X-Men franchise, which only grossed, oh wow, domestic numbers. Okay, so no, it has the worldwide. Worldwide, it made $186 million on a budget of 200 probably because of all those fucking reshoots it had to do that's why it jacked up that fucking number yep 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 absolutely and also talks about how james cameron's avatar will proceed as planned on planet of the apes they haven't talked about if it's going to be continuation of the trilogy it's already been or a reboot of planet of the apes Mm -hmm. but it says that's going to continue um i'm sure that kingsman's going to continue i highly doubt that's not in the article but i highly doubt that they're going to cancel kingsman 3 especially with how good the king's man looks now, if that underperforms, then that's a different case. But yeah. I think any hopes of, a, of an Alita sequel are gone. Um, yeah, safe to say. Yeah, Unless but... James Cameron yeah. to shovel out his own personal money. Yeah, that's that's true. But uh, yeah, no, so yeah, they're pissed off at Fox, but they're going to keep Fox Searchlight in a few projects. But, but now, well, I, I'm not going to lie. I do believe the article. I believe that that is what happened. But there are other people who believe a different story, and I can't say that I blame them. There are some people who say that this is what Disney's wanted to do all along, and they've just been waiting for the opportunity to have a reason to do so. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of like um, anyone who's been like a manager, an assistant manager in retail, whenever there's an employee that you just is lazy, never does their work, and you can't fucking stand, but they always get away with it, you just have to follow them around and watch them make little mistakes so you can witness it and be like, ha see, you can't do that. And I, some people think that that's what Disney's been doing, is they've just been really waiting for Fox to post or do something that allows them to be able to be like, oh, nope, can't do that, got to shut you down. And so while some people believe that, I don't think that's what's going on. But uh, can, can you blame some people for believing that that's what's going on? I can't blame them because it seems very obvious. But at the same time, Fox did all this work. Like, they had a script ready. They had, I'm sure, dates set up everything they had a production set ready to go they had a crew ready to go like they literally had everything ready to go probably just other than the green light to go mm-hmm. it's all disney had to do mm-hmm. but because of the huge loss that fox turned in they're like these movies aren't going to save them mm-hmm. so let's just abandon them and do whatever we do 
because we have five movies that made over a billion dollars this yeah. year alone. So we yeah. kind of know what we're doing. Fox doesn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see it both ways, but I, I, I'm going to agree with you on this one that mm. they're just like, yeah, no, fuck you, Fox. Like, you did this to yourself. You shot yourself in the foot. We're not going to put more money into these failing movies. Yeah. But... But also, I totally forgot to point this out. In the article, it mentions that all superhero properties that Fox owns have been moved to Kevin Feige, including Deadpool, which that's exciting news. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where that ends up going. But what's interesting is it doesn't say comic book properties. It just says superhero properties. But I wonder if it's actually comic book properties, which means we could get a Kingsman 3 produced by Kevin Feige, which would be all sorts of amazing. But uh the article does not say that. I'm just curious if it's all comic book properties or just the superhero Marvel properties. Uh, if it's Kingsman, as long as Matthew Vaughn's involved, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier whenever we were uh, not on the fucking recording. But uh, mm-hmm. you had a good point that you know Matthew Vaughn should step away for a little bit. I, and I then, do think he should take a break. Yeah. And then come back to it. I, I think that would really help a lot. But uh, I don't know if you talked about it or if it was mentioned at all. But what about New Mutants? Great question. It was slated for a 2020 release date, and it hasn't been taken off. But with this, I highly doubt that film gets released. And, you know, I'm a little biased because I have two theatrical posters that I want to sell, so I hope it doesn't get released because then the value goes up with the posters. But um, but I don't know. I, I think that that's something they're going to quietly remove. And then one news site will be like, hey, we fucking saw what you just did. But uh, that's just something we got to keep our eye open for because nothing's been confirmed. But it will be interesting to see what they do with New Mutants, especially after this, after this whole scenario. That will be something interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just curious to see what's going to happen in the next few years. I just want a badass alien movie. Is that too much to ask for? Or, or a badass, right. Or a fucking, for sure, this is a Christmas movie, diehard fucking movie. They canceled the next diehard. Did they really? Yep. What? Yep. It was a prequel. It was a prequel and modern movie. Like, it was going to be like a flashback movie uh, of Bruce Willis talking, and then they were going to cast a young John McClane so that if people liked him, they could do a franchise with him. And it was the movie was called McClane. Oh, that's badass. And they canceled it. Disney did cancel it. I already have your fucking star. It's the Looper guy. Whatever. <laughs> no. They, it wouldn't they, have are, been. they already have the fucking he, He's about as old as he, Bruce Willis was in the first Die Hard. You can't do that. <laughs> You already have your casting ready to go. Oh my god, no. <laughs> I can't think of his name, but he played mm-hmm. fucking Robin in the third Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises. Like, jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt is his name. Thank you. Fucking thank you. It's bothering the hell out of me that I couldn't remember Jesus, his name. Because I had that joke fucking lined up ready yeah. to go. Inception, man. Come on. Oh, fucking you're right, dude. Shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you want to go ahead and talk about your story? Yeah, so I was kind of scrolling around on Hollywood Reporter to find a story. And you love horror movies. I love horror movies. I, too, love horror movies. And the headline of it is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and the Next Generation of Horror. And I read a little bit about it. And it said, well, the next line basically says, uh, just as 80s '80s movies properties, such as Poltergeist and Gremlins, were for one generation, the new Guillermo del Toro-produced project may serve as a gateway for younger viewers not ready for violent rated R movies. I think that's very fascinating. I read a little bit about the article, and basically a lot of people think that this is now going to be introducing a new wave of PG-13 horror movies. Now, with modern horror movies, a lot of them get it wrong and they miss the mark because they just try to go for shock 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 
factor. God damn, I can't speak. <laughs> and just like with jump scares. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to let you quote it, but Alfred Hitchcock said a quote about... Oh, about suspense. Yes. I'm paraphrasing also, but he said, uh, suspense is when the audience knows something that the characters don't know. And just by using that tool, you've created suspense. And that is way scarier than anything that can just scare you for a second. Correct. And that's why I don't like modern horror movies. Because they just go for the... A lot of them are over-reliant on jump scares. Now, you can have a creative jump scare that comes out of nowhere, but a lot of modern horror movies are really over-reliant on just using that as their one tool of horror. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I think sucks about it is audiences have become accustomed to that. So that when there's a movie that doesn't have a lot of jump scares, the audience says, oh, well, that movie's not scary. Because they're not paying attention to the filmmaking. They're not paying attention to the psychological aspects, to the set design to everything that can really get under your skin they're not even paying attention because they're waiting for those jump scares that they've been so used to getting hereditary has one of my favorite scares of all time is it the corner yeah with the yep. window yep and that's not even a jump scare you just have to yeah. pay attention yeah, no, to that, it that's one of the scariest shots i've ever seen in a movie mm-hmm. now i yeah yeah so i mean that's why i like older horror movies more and which is why i really liked us because mm-hmm. us took a much more mm-hmm. uh like old um Old style old, old style approach, yes, mm-hmm. thank you. And I really liked that about us. And with rated with PG thirteen movies, you can only do so much before you get that rated R. Mm-hmm. And if this is gonna be like the gateway for more PG thirteen movies, I hope it's as good as everyone's saying that it's actually like really scary mm-hmm. that it kind of pushes that line of rated R. Mm-hmm. I hope that more movies will follow this and not just be reliant on jump scares and they'll actually mm-hmm. like shock you to your core. Halloween, my favorite horror movie of all time, probably one of my favorite movies of all time, mm. has maybe one jump scare, and it's a false jump scare, and it's effective. Mm-hmm. But um, And even then, Halloween does the thing where it, it doesn't, it's not a false scare in that the music tells you to be scared. It just, you react because yeah. of what happens. Like, it, it doesn't trick you into being scared at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's something that also a lot of modern horror movies do. Hell, the new Halloween did that, mm-hmm. is they'll have a, a threat with music pop out telling you to be scared and it's nothing and it and to me that's cheap it's a fake way there's a brilliant video i don't know if you've ever seen it chris duckman did it it's like a really long video essay it's called the problem with horror movies today he did one with the action too and it's really good but great video by him and he kind of really we're, we're kind of taking a lot of what we say from that video just um really really great job that he did with that yeah yeah, yeah. um so if this is as good as everyone says it is. I really hope it does usher in a new wave of good horror movies to the point where everyone's like, no, that's a thriller. Because if a good horror movie is effective, everyone calls it a thriller. Silence yep. of the Lambs. Yep, yep. No, I had a I had a film teacher, and one of my favorite things that he ever said was, make a horror movie so good that critics call it a thriller. And I was like, that's that's a great that's yeah. a great quote. But uh, what kind of what are your thoughts on... If this is true, like this ushers in a new wave of PG-13 horror movies, what's your take on modern horror movies? Well, um, there have been some really effective PG-13 horror movies, like Insidious and Insidious 2 were both PG-13, and I love both of those films, James Wan movies. Um, I think that I like the, 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 I can't speak either, the description it uses of a gateway horror movie, because what I'm hoping happens is a 12 or 13-year-old convinces their mom to go see this movie, and then... They love it because it's just scary enough to where it's not cheesy, but not scary enough that it's going to scar them. And then they go home 
and they discover Halloween. They discover Psycho, Jaws. They discover Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Evil Dead, and they just become this horror fan because of this movie. And I think that this movie can be that movie for a younger generation, the movie that gets them interested and inspired by horror. Because there are a lot of people in the generation before us where Gremlins did that, where, you know... um, Jaws. Well, like, I'm I'm, I'm trying to think of a movie that, like, wasn't, like, a really, like, horror, horror film, but it was very scary, and it got people to do so. so. Yeah, yeah, I think think Poltergeist is a good example. And, um, ironically, a movie that came out last year that doesn't do it on the level that I think this movie does, at least I haven't seen it just from what I understand... But the house with the clock and its walls mm-hmm. was definitely more of a kids' movie. I think it's right above Goosebumps and right below Scary Stories, in terms of the mixture of adult and horror or um, kid friendly and horror content. But I thought that was a very well done movie, and I, and I could see a kid taking something from that and liking horror. But hey, if they want to step it up with this, I really need to see this movie. But um, I think this is a really fascinating take, and I'm, I'm glad that the Hollywood Reporter kind of thought this out and took the time to write this article and it's a really interesting thing to talk about and and you know the possibilities are kind of endless with what you can do with horror and how horror can inspire a generation of people like an entire generation of people yeah no it's it's very fascinating because uh apparently um it opts for taboo quality stories in this movie is what the article continues to say so it's it sounds like it's definitely like pushing that line yeah of being really scary to the point where it might be, or you could probably settle for an argument for being rated R versus mm-hmm. this. So uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this movie and seeing what it has to offer. Yeah, me too. And like I said, I've had parents come out of the theaters asking for refunds because the movie was too scary for their kids. So I, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing this movie as well. Yeah. Well, we're just at about uh, 20-something odd minutes here. So I know that was just two stories, but I'd say that was one decent comeback episode for now. Um, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, my name is Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. Oh, and also one last thing, Guillermo del Toro just got his, uh, star of fame. Or, yes. Uh, so congrats to him. Yes. That's very, very congrats to him. Also, something else I want to bring up is that we are also just getting ready to gear up and shoot our next short film. It is a horror film called, uh, Contrition. And, um, it is a pretty much, it's a home invasion movie with a sci-fi twist. I don't want to spoil what happens, but I think you guys are really going to like it. Um, we are participating in, um, OIF, which is the Orlando Independent Filmmakers. And we've already won an award for best horror short screenplay at the Olympus Film Festival in Los Angeles. Uh, we're really gearing up to make this. We're going to shoot it in about a week. It's going to be a four day process and we're really, really excited to get started on it. And, uh, we'll keep you guys updated. And, um, thanks to everyone who's been watching our stuff. Anyways, we'll see you guys next time.